Hello, welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It is almost Wednesday, almost Thanksgiving Eve. It's about 1130 Eastern on Wednesday night. This is our second annual Friendsgiving podcast where we bring a bunch of folks on. We talk a little NBA, talk a little, see what's going on with them, try to have a good time. Joining me from Philadelphia, from the Wells Fargo Center, a.k.a. the Center, where uh, the Brooklyn Nets had a spectacular showing tonight mm. against the 76ers, missing their three best players. Right, Tim Bontemps? Uh, they had a spectacularly pathetic effort in their showing tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers and gave everybody here a nice Thanksgiving present early. We were we want this to be a fun enjoyable oh, I, I mean we're gonna i'm gonna have sport. a lot of i'm gonna have a lot of fun dunking on the nets and given kevin durant said after the game that everybody wants to see our team fail i think everyone listening is going to have a lot of fun too because the nets were horrendous today and lost joining us from cleveland ohio not me cleveland ohio where he's covering the Cavs again not me is ban mcmahon Howdy, partners. If you wanted fun and enjoyable, why the hell did you have Bon Timps and me on? Wendy, what are you <laughs> thinking about? How long have you been doing this? This is this is what the people want, McMahon. Well, me and you. Well, we are we decided to do the front of this pod after the Ben Simmons return to Philly tonight. The other uh, folks who are going to be joining us, we taped earlier in in uh, full disclosure. Um, before we get to those fine uh, folks, uh, Bon Temps, you took in this uh, game. And look, anything can happen in the NBA. Um, I had friends who are in Vegas this week who, you know, hit me up and were like, you know, had bet tonight on the uh, on the Nets money line, just assuming that was an easy oh. win. And I was like, I was like, listen, I'm never going to give gambling advice because I know enough to know that I don't know. Well, yeah, you don't make predictions. Indian. So how could you give gambling? Yeah, advice? right. That's right. called making a prediction. <laughs> I here's what I would say: be very careful trusting the Nets. And yet again, right as they had mm. like a little teeny high, not that the win over the Grizzlies was that great, but those guys out. Another team missing their three best players. Yeah, but at least they won that one. Tim, their effort defensively tonight was, I don't know, man. Go ahead. Let me just sum this thing up for everybody. The Brooklyn Nets were fully healthy, playing on the road here in Philly against a team missing Joel Embiid, missing Tyrese Maxey, missing James Harden. Tobias Harris had missed the past few games. He hurt his ankle. He missed part of the second half. P.J. Tucker hasn't scored in literally 150 minutes. Uh, at this point, it's been four four or five games since he scored a basket. He was wearing a Rockets uniform last time he got a bucket. I, it, <laughs> this this Sixers team is a mess. The Nets shot 55% tonight. By the way, they missed some shots in, in uh, garbage time. I think when they wave the white flag in this game with three minutes left. I think they were at 60%. They they shot, they finished the game shooting 55% from the field against a team missing their three leading scores. And as you said, they pulled the plug on this game with three and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. This was one of the most embarrassing performances from an effort standpoint I've ever seen. It was a joke. The, The Sixers simply just won this game by just playing hard. They weren't very good. I mean, Paul Reed's out here trying to dribble and like flinging the ball all over the place. He had 19, but he would, he had 19 and 10. He played great, but like, you know, D'Anthony Melton played great. Just playing hard. Shake Milton 
Tobias Harris, like PJ Tucker, these guys just played so much harder than the Nets who just don't play hard. Like on top of the fact that they don't have defensive talent, like we've talked all the time, they don't have size, they don't have defensive talent, right? You can make up for some of that stuff if you just give effort. But this team gives no effort. They just, they don't try ever. Sometimes the way, they try. No, Sometimes you know what? Try. You know when they tried? When Edmund Sumner was starting and they had the starting lineup that KD ripped last week for how, how do you expect me to win with these guys? Which by the way, they won with those guys on Thursday in, uh, in Portland. Look pretty good playing a pretty good, a good win, team. by the way. It was a good sure. win before Dame yeah, and, hurt. Dame's hurt. And and KD did walk back those that comment. Well, of course, basically, of course ah, he I did. screwed I mean, that up. I didn't mean it. It came did. out bad. That not exactly the kind of inspirational speech <laughs> that, oh, that you want from your leader. Who, oh by the way, also tried to force his way out of town. Uh, you know, Kyrie coming back really surprising. That hasn't improved the the defensive effort that didn't give a jolt well look, this this effort. was the He's most that sort of a thing this was the most emblematic sequence of the game that the nets are down 10 or 12 i think 12 like just under four minutes to go they have they try to throw an inbounds pass to Kyrie. it's one of the worst inbounds passes of all time DeAnthony melton standing between Kyrie and the inbound pass just literally just catches it in between Kyrie gives a decent effort to come back and try to block the shot nobody else comes back DeAnthony Elton misses the shot. It gets laid in by somebody. I think it was Shake. Kyrie gets the rebound, dribbles down, pulls up for three, shoots an air ball, puts his hand in the air. It's like, oh, yeah, my bad. Jacques Vaughn calls timeout, yanks everybody out of the game. They just quit the game. Three and a half minutes to go. Down down 14. It's like, oh, the, they just the pull up air up. ball three is my fault. Like, yeah, who the hell just, else's fault might it be? It just, it just, <laughs> yeah. It, it just, this game was just, it was laughable. All right. And it, okay. and it, the only, the tell only us about Simmons. Say, Hold on. He's, he's mid rant. Like, you can't wind Bond, Sorry. Bond Sorry. Comes up and then, like, stop it. He's like, you gotta, you gotta let it, let it go. It wasn't like, I was not, I didn't like that noise. Just, the only thing, the only thing I was gonna say was, this game just underscores why this team has no chance. And they, this you can people can people are going to continue to say, oh, they have talent. They can get somewhere. They can make this work. They can figure it out. There's there's nothing to figure out here. This team is it's it's a ghost ship that's just floating along until eventually these guys start getting traded and you know whatever happens with Kyrie and whatever they decide to do with Kevin. Honestly, it's ghost ship with a P ship. <laughs> With a P, because I know people sometimes think you get that foul language. That's right. Might have That's been right. influenced by those Philly folks. That's right. Um, I will say that one of the things that was a factor tonight, I honestly believe this, is that Utah Wananabe was out. And yeah, like, who, by the act- way, plays really hard. I know. It like he mm-hmm. helps them a lot. A guy that they signed to a minimum, like Listen, two I days think before like- training camp. One team didn't have Embiid, Harden, and Maxi. One team didn't have Utah Watanabe. I totally, you know, pretty much. I mean, it's an that's it's a an even swap it's a if draw. you ask me. That's right. That's I'm right. sure. I'm right. sure Daryl Morey, if he could make the numbers work, would make that trade. Oh yeah, give me give me old Utah. He's shooting fifty whatever percent from three to get, this year. To get, Best to get to your league. to get to your Simmons question, he was fine. I mean, it was another solid game from him. He had eleven. What was the? 11. Tell us about the environment in the arena. Honestly, it, it wasn't sucked. It, it sucked. Stan Van Gundy <laughs> called it out. It was fine. Accurately. I mean, it was a, it was a, I, I don't think people, it was a, it was a pillow fight. It was weak. <laughs> Come I on, mean, man. Philly people are supposed to be, Oh, those big tough Philly guys, you know, 
Man, they well, were, they, come on now. I think people underestimated just how much juice went out of this game, like from who weren't here when Embiid went out. Like if Embiid had been on the court today and had been Embiid and Simmons and Simmons was guarding Embiid, that, there would have been real juice for that. There, there was no energy in the building for Simmons coming back. Before the game, he's out shooting 60, 90 minutes before the game. There's some fans in the building. I mean, not a ton, but some. And there wasn't a single word uttered while he was out there shooting, not, not one boo, nothing, you know, and like he got booed whenever he touched the ball and they went crazy when he missed two free throws to start a second half and everybody got Chick-fil-A. They but were like, obligatory boos though. Yeah. Was it was, no, you know, the, come on. the animosity, they, they were going through the motions there. like the nets on defense. Yeah. There was, there was nothing out, really out of the ordinary from that standpoint. It was just like any other game where a player comes back. Well, the six tribute were... video. There was not a tribute video. <laughs> uh, do you remember the a tribute um, video of, of, of the pass? <laughs> do you remember when <laughs> do you remember when Kyrie came back to Cleveland? Um, and they were they were gonna do the tribute video, although like the Cavs players were kind of complaining about it. And then Gordon Hayward on Gordon Hayward snapped his leg in half. Yeah. And then they just decided like that they weren't going to do the tribute video because they felt that it was bad vibes because of Gordon Haywood Hayward injury. And they just never did it. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Kyrie then skipped like the next like seven games that the Celtics played. And there. then and then the best, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but you guys know that's what I do. Isaiah Thomas was coming back to Boston oh, and they God. wanted to give him a tribute video, which pissed off some of the Boston people, including Rondo. Rondo was like, we give tribute videos for this now and isaiah said actually please don't play the tribute video now play the tribute video on the next time uh the Cavs come in because i would like my family to be there to see the tribute video and the celtics were like okay fine <laughs> next time he came back <laughs> he had been traded <laughs> well it was not <laughs> that he came back when he was playing on the nuggets a year and a half later when he was like out of the league practically so he was not even hardly playing at all. I'm sorry. Disaster. There are there are some ridiculous tribute videos, but the Celtics playing one for Isaiah Thomas would certainly qualify as legit. Oh, you're gonna oh you're gonna oh. tribute. I don't screw Boston fans. That the, they got 98 numbers in the rafters. They can play one freaking tribute video for a guy. Oh, I thought you were saying I, no, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying uh no, he I thought you were saying he didn't deserve the tribute oh, no, video. Okay. Are you kidding yeah. me? You got no, these guys who are like no, ninth yes. men who got he know, delayed the, the tribute. contract again. I'm just saying he delayed the tribute video. He just said, "Hey, hold up on that tribute video." <laughs> yeah, Isaiah I, was the one who said to them, "Wait until I'm yeah. playing." Yeah, yeah, well no, I understand that. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, like Rondo acting like, "Oh, what has he done?" You know, oh, come on, you like the <laughs> gatekeeper of tribute that's, videos that's, in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does. Oh my god. Oh, Rondo's man. probably um, had about 12 tribute videos the way they be bounced around the league. Here's here's what I, I would I say. I don't think he got one in Dallas. To try to bring this back to Simmons. I'm or sure he didn't get one share. in. I'm sure he didn't get that in Dallas. <laughs> to bring us back to Simmons, though, uh, while he was decent, and had 11-7 and 11 in the game, thought it was noteworthy he had zeros in all those categories in the fourth quarter when Philly put the game away. Hey, he did shrug after hitting a couple free throws, though. I mean, come on. You got, you got to give him credit for that. Uh, you know, I, he did. He had fun with the situation. It's just he, uh, did. he <laughs> did. His team didn't have a whole lot of fun or play very hard. 
which uh, Jock Vaughn pointed out post game. I saw basically, I'm going to play the guys who play hard. I like the sound of that. You know, oh, all right. That's right. We're going to hold these guys accountable. Is he really benching Kyrie? Come on. Like, I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe that when the Kings reel off seven in a row. Oh, wait, they did. What do we say on the what do we say on the pod, McMahon? What do we say? Actions over words. That's what we say on the pod. Actions over words. That's that's the motto. (laughs) I usually say stuff like shut up, Bon Tim. Well, that (laughs) is true. You say that, but that has become the motto of the pod over the past six or eight months. Actions over words. What did KD say tonight afterwards? Oh, I mean, KD said all kinds of things. Uh, Our pal, the laugh track, sent me uh, sent me some quotes uh, about. that's what he calls about the, I don't want you to get too much into into um oh everybody knows who the laugh track is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not a hard nickname to figure out. Plus he covers the nets. I again, I think we can figure it out. Uh he had a couple gems. Uh this one was good. When NBA fans don't love you, they really got love for you. It's just misplaced love, I guess. But we get it. At the end of the day, people enjoy watching us play. I was like, okay. I mean, that's true. That's interesting one. It's true. It's true. I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah, this one, this one was good though. But that's in every arena. Everybody wants to see our team fail. Nobody likes Ben. Nobody likes Kai. Nobody likes myself. So it might just be like that at every road arena. And I was like, yeah, it probably will be close to that. I mean, every they, road arena. He, he's he's not wrong there. Um, no. They are the most dislikable team in the NBA right now. That's Easter. fair. Yeah, watch now, them it's, play not exactly, hard, it's not exactly it's something own... that has bonded them together. <laughs> you no. know, if it's, it's us hard, against it's the, world, for their own the world, fans to watch their them if they're playing. Yeah, it's hard to, hard for their own fans to like them when they're playing like they did today. I mean, it's just well, and when it's just nonstop ridiculous circus drama that it's been. Since, oh yeah, really? Since KD, Kyrie, and since day one, the forty million dollar friend arrived. Oh, there it is. We got it in. Got the, <laughs> hey, the $40 million dollar friend dominated the, the Mavericks at the night, though, had 17 rebounds. And when we're talking about bad losses, the Mavericks losing to the Nuggets without Jokic, Murray, and Gordon, which is just a Mavericks in case habit. people don't know who you're referring to. This has got to be my role. You're referring to DeAndre Jordan. Um, I think people know. Lo- I, think, here's the thing. I think a Wendy, lot of people, you know a lot who of people to our podcast, basketball nerds. People who also <laughs> listen to our these. podcast. By the way, DeAndre no, Jordan, a cool minus and, and NBA DeAndre personnel. Jordan. If you want the truth, well, DeAndre Jordan, a cool minus 15, We're 11 minutes. Tonight, big fan. Your guy. <laughs> it was a tough one. And they, they lost to, to the, save him down the stretch. And it did. Oh, they happen. did lose. They oh, did. Wow. They lost to the Pistons at home. You know, Jokic and Murray, the, like fresh out of protocols and Jokic played well. Murray didn't. The bench was, ah, uh, yeah, you know those not a great loss are tough on the road. <laughs> they're they're known for that. They're known for that. <laughs> Is that their first road win? Or uh, uh, I don't know if they're Warriors bad on the road. Let me look. Um, <laughs> the the Warriors had to go to Houston to get a road win, <laughs> but only barely. Well, I there was actually a uh, I was talking to somebody with the Warriors with I, I saw them and it was like. Uh, Late in the third quarter, and it was a close game. I said, I, I like your chances against the Rockets in crunch time. <laughs> the The Rockets don't exactly. They're one of like 112, literally one of a whole bunch, three-point shooting in crunch time this year. It's pretty uh, pretty impressive. Let's see. That was 
the Pistons first road I thought win. That, All right. I thought they Everybody the has Pistons. won on the road except for you guys know Charlotte does no 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 Houston it's got a few road wins no 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 Houston I I they've got two I witnessed one of them against the Lucas Mavericks oh that's um, right no nope, I think the Lakers are still Orlando yeah Wendy got it the first time oh, Wendy's ever won a trivia question <laughs> hey are we doing trivia I didn't think we were doing oh. trivia because of friends giving so we were well, all chopped around all right. Well, Play there that was. funky music before the road thing there, Jackson. And we got a trivia question. Hoop Collective Trivia. <laughs> it's the first time oh. Wendy ever won one. It's because he was going against Bond Temps and not me. Wow. Well, wow. the Lakers are playing on the road right now. It could not be accurate by the time this pod comes out. So, oh, I like my chances of remaining accurate. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's. It, it was kind of a dud game, um, but it's kind of a dud era for Brooklyn, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's I mean, be honest. It, was, it is, it is pretty, it is pretty much in line with everything that's happened with the Nets. A lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. I yeah, know that's, that's a literary actually, reference. Where's it from? It's a speech from Shakespeare. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Bill. Um, <laughs> Wild Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, McMahon, right, well, I, was the the I thought the he was a writer. <laughs> All right, we're going to a... turn this over to the rest of the thanks the uh, Friendsgiving pod. Uh, we've got Om Young Masuk coming up first. Thank you to our uh, fearless producer Jackson for uh, hanging in there and putting this together, even though he's been watching Syracuse. Yeah, they went down to a crushing defeat in overtime. This is never going to get posted. No, it's never going to get posted. Uh, All right. Thank you. Uh, Next up is Om Young Masuk, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, this is not an Adios Amigos moment. We're transitioning. Yes, don't say it. I'm not. (laughs) You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. All right, joining us now from Los Angeles, our LA-based NBA writer is Om Young Masuk. Om, how's it going? What up, fellas? Uh, just uh, watching the Kawhi come back, part two. <laughs> You're going to San Francisco tonight. That's where you'll be spending at least part of Thanksgiving. Yes, is that yes, right? Will be. Yeah, I'll be flying back uh, Thanksgiving morning back to L.A., but uh, 
this was supposed to be kind of like, you know, a tasty preview of two teams that we all thought would be contending uh, for the Western Conference. Uh, and I mean, now it's still, the playing. Still, still probably will. But I mean, you know, obviously both teams, their seasons have not started off the way we all thought they would. So, okay. At least Kawhi is back to starting and he's not doing this nonsense coming off the bench <laughs> six minutes in the second quarter. Yeah, you can thank Ty Lue for that, uh, Wendy. <laughs> How so? Ty Lue was not a fan of it to start oh, with. Oh, no kidding. And, Boy, that's a and, surprise. It wasn't yeah. an organizational decision. Well, hey, that being uh, said, I was pretty um to, to your to, to that point. Were you as surprised as I was when Ty really just launched into that basically full scale assault on that? Yeah, I mean, Ty called it nasty. <laughs> he just he described it as nasty. He did not like it. He said like he didn't like the idea that that B Shaw would have to come up to him with about six minutes to go in the second quarter and say, "Oh yeah, Kawhi's ready to come in," and that <laughs> Ty had basically almost kind of forgotten about it because he was so into the game. Um, and then you know, even Marcus Morris Senior had said like, "I've never in all my years in the NBA ever seen the best player." on a team come in with six minutes to go in the second quarter, you know, now Kawhi's logic was basically, he did not, he, he simulated things being the cyborg that he is and saw that there were, there were scenarios in which he would sit for 35 minutes real time. If he had started the game before coming into the second stint, he didn't want that. He wanted to play in these chunks about like six to eight minutes long and be able to finish the game. You know, when you start the game and you're on like a 20 to 24 minute uh, limit, right? Sometimes you don't get to play until five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, or sometimes you, you have to leave with a minute to go because you're on a strict minutes restriction. For him, with that way that he was doing it, he was able to actually play the final eight minutes of a fourth quarter. He wanted to play the most meaningful minutes in the game, which would be the end of the second quarter, you know, start the third, then end of the fourth. But now he's back to starting. Things are starting to feel a little bit better. But then, of course, with the Clippers, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. They get one star back and the other star's out now. Paul George is injured. <laughs> so it, it doesn't seem, everything I've heard is not serious, but of course the Clippers are going to be careful with him. It's like a, a strained right hamstring tendon, which, uh, you know, it's not a strained hamstring, tr- strained hamstring tendon. I don't know what that is. Doesn't sound Kawhi's, comfortable. <laughs> Kawhi's not looking that great though, right? Kawhi is definitely looking like he is still very much feeling his way in. Um, like the other night he tried, I think, like to blow by. I think it might have been Laurie Markinen and Markinen blocked him from behind. Um, he he he's also been getting double teamed. I mean, the Spurs just kept sending him blitzes. They kept blitzing him. And he pretty much right now is just like making the extra pass, setting teammates up, picking his moments. Um, but like, they, you know, here's the thing with Kawhi. And I tell people this all the time. People think like he's like this, you know, he's a a forward, but he plays very heavy. Everything Mm -hmm. he does is powerful and heavy. So when he falls, it's a heavy fall, like this, like the kind that a big man would have. So the last night he tried to go and block a shot late with about like three minutes ago. And then when he landed, something went like I could tell he tweaked something. And so, and where we sit in state and crypto. I was, I was all the way in the other side of the court, but I could tell he was like, kind of like favoring his right foot and they took a timeout and he went back and guys were ch- like Marcus Morris with the check on him. And I could see Kawhi didn't look very happy. 
well, who knows? Kawhi's Kawhi. But, yeah, <laughs> Does um, he ever? I was like, yeah. how do you know? <laughs> so after the game, but, I asked, I see Kawhi. He's got one of those like little like, you know, um, like a, when you have a sprained ankle or you just have like that little sock sometimes that mm-hmm. you put on. that's like a little brace. And so I asked him, I said, are you OK? And he was like, yeah, I, I uh, rolled my ankle. I should be fine. <laughs> the oh, thing no. with Kawhi is, you know, you can never tell when he hurt his ACL. Like he was, you know, you could tell he landed wrong. And I was like, oh, that didn't look good. And then all of a sudden um, he's walking it off. He, he was fine. listed as questionable. Right. Then the next <laughs> For day. For the rest of the series. Yeah. The next day, all of a sudden, is when things start. You know, the Clippers actually said they thought he was okay the night before. And the night after. But then the next day, he it, it flared up. So that's the thing with Kawhi. Anything that happens during the game, you have to wait okay. till the next day. I- I'm sorry. Here comes the soapbox. Yes. <laughs> the NBA is like not only in bed with casinos, they're looking for more casinos to get in bed with. They're trying to bring the casinos into as many arenas as possible. In a playoff game, a team lists a player with a torn ACL, a vitally important player is questionable. I'm like, yeah, fine with us. Well, it's, and, and, then we're fining, and then we're fining teams for having two-way players play oh the day of the, Kawhi, oh the, day of the hey. Kyrie announcement. Well, hold on, hold Silver. on. Wendy's on a soapbox. Well, I'm adding spread to the, the floor, box. spread the floor, spot up. If he wants to <laughs> get was the an ball assist. up, he'll pass it. That was Windy. an assist. Do your thing. Meanwhile, ISO mode. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Monty Williams openly saying, and like, I like Monty a lot. I respect him openly saying this week, we're just not going to be telling you the truth about Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been questionable <laughs> with a, quote, heel injury. Right, heel since injury. he got hurt here the day before the election. Two he's weeks been ago. out for, he's been out for two weeks, he's been questionable every day. They sometimes have been announcing he's been out mo- more recently when Monty just admitted they were lying. Mo- Monty basically came out and said, we are lying on the injury report. We actually know that he's not going to play. A certain amount of people know he's not going to play. And certain gamblers are probably knowing he's not going to play. But we're just going to pretend like everything's kosher. Yeah, Sound we're going to pretend everything's sure. okay, but be alarmed. Be alarmed. <laughs> what point does that serve? I'm not saying that you have to announce that exactly the injury with Chris Paul and that you have to like put his medical report out there. Well, you you are supposed to, though. If he's out for weeks, you're supposed to say he's out for weeks. You're not supposed to say, oh, well, you know, every day we're going to see what it is. On the on the other side of things, Wendy, the Paul George the other night uh, was ruled out at halftime with right knee soreness that he felt. He had this great first half. He had five threes at 21 points. Then all of a sudden he's playing that. And I'm told, oh, it's nothing serious. He just feels something. Uh, we asked Ty, how's Paul doing? Ty goes, oh, I don't know all the details with medical, but I think he tweaked his calf. And I was like, wait a minute. There's right knee soreness. Now it's on his calf. <laughs> then yesterday he was questionable before the game, right knee soreness, 12 o'clock or early in the afternoon, ruled out with this right hamstring tendon. So now I'm like, I'm like, what's going on here? We had three different injuries and they're just let's like, just oh, go you lower know, body, just, do hockey, yeah. lower body. Yeah, let's go Bill Belichick, <laughs> right leg. OK, that's it. Well, right leg. I mean, I do agree that there's some privacy issues that are going to come into play here. Like, I remember when Joel Embiid, I just went and read it because Embiid's got a foot injury again. Like Sam Hinkie came out and like detailed the steps of Joel Embiid's foot injury like five, six years ago. He's like, yeah, there were five doctors. And they took a piece of bone from his hip and put it in his, it was like, it was like a medical school level analysis. I'm not saying you have to do that in terms of privacy, but it's just the double standard in the NBA where they, 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, they investigated the, 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 the 76ers for tampering with James Harden when they already had to deal with PJ Tucker and Eddie house set up. And they said, Daniel house, not Eddie house. Sorry. I'm showing my age. And I also covered Eddie house. Daniel house. <laughs> Speaking of guys who spot up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Eddie house's kid. Um, when the Celtics were really good in the two thousands and, uh, Eddie House used to like run down all the way down to the freaking basket standard and wave a towel. And then his kids started coming down there and waving a towel. Oh, yeah, that's that's the NBA is telling, sit down on the benches, sit down on the benches. Yeah, but there's like massive corruption in your injury reports. We don't care. Just sit down on the benches. <laughs> um, no, they handle the corruption, like Bontemp said when he so rudely interrupted. They find the Clippers for those two-way players who played in garbage time. And uh, I don't even remember by, that. By the OKC. OKC was right. OKC. By the way, to be clear, before I'm aggregated for anything, I am not saying that the Clippers were being shady or are there any shenanigans here with Paul George. They no, just, Brian was. That. No, Wendy's Brian was. That. You're, You're okay. not saying it. <laughs> I, I think the Clippers actually are, were trying to basically get I'm the right saying- answer. There was a guy with a torn ACL who they listed as questionable. Yeah, it's it's a laughable situation. That's not an aggregation. That is an no. accurate statement. Yeah, it's well, a laughable say- situation when it comes to the way the way these teams are doing this stuff. And to your point, Brian, like if you're going to take all this money from these gambling companies, we have now legalized gambling in, you know, 30 states, I think, or 31 states. You, you just this is not this should not be an acceptable way to be doing business. But it's the NBA, so I'm sure we'll just continue this way. Okay, let me just defend the Clippers really quickly on the Kawhi injury listings. In their defense, I'm not sure if their medical staff actually gets to evaluate Kawhi themselves. So <laughs> maybe they don't know. Uh, Kawhi has his own medical guy. You know, that, that there you go. By the he way, oh, to that ACL, and he was listed as questionable. Oh, to that point, I, I've talked to some scouts who have not been very impressed with how Kawhi has looked. Um, I know obviously it is early. Uh, are the Clippers at all? concerned or um surprised that this is that he has looked as rusty and off as he has so far or are they just preaching patience and everything's going to be fine i think they're preaching patience no listen Kawhi actually explained it pretty well i i said what were the first two games back like compared to your first two games of the season when you played and he said they're different he said i basically sat for 20 days and then ramped up for five days in order to come back the second time around. So where the first time around, I had a whole training camp of practices and five on fives. And I, you know, he had two preseason games under his belt. He says now he feels like he's catching up to guys. That he's almost like 15 games behind the rest of the guys. And so I think that's while, what it looks while like. While he was sitting for 25, 20 consecutive days. Yeah. What were they listing him as on the injury report? Questionable. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I think mean, he was out. He was I, I, out. I mean, no, he was I mean, listening. No, oh, wait. Injury listening is out with uh with return right knee to, sword, return right, to competition. Yeah, injury management, right knee injury yeah. management. Yeah. He did so he was out. Do, he didn't play basketball for 20 days and everything's a okay. Well, well, and the other I mean, concern that I heard about Kawhi even early in the season before he was, you know, didn't play for a while. And this goes back to Ohm. You said everything with him is powerful. It's you know, it's it's thudding and collisions and high impact was not that he's out of shape but he bulked too big we've talked about this he looks he he's he's gone from looking like an outside linebacker to looking like a uh you know a a run stopping defensive end no no, saquon barkley i call him kawad kawad leonard 
Yeah, He's got yeah. Saquon Barkley-like <laughs> quads. Not as big as Saquon. Saquon is, you know, not human, okay? But Kawad, but Kawad Leonard, okay, he has big, big quads. And I think he, he even said he spent 15 months bulking up because he chooses not to play 5-on-5, five 4-on-4, five, 3-on-3 four four, three three in the offseason. So he just spent all his time in the gym. And so perhaps he did maybe get a little too muscular. Hmm. Um. What was on your family's uh, dinner table for Thanksgiving when you were growing up? Well, there was always pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. I mean, I could probably, I'd probably eat pumpkin pie first and then last on Thanksgiving <laughs> day. Uh, but yeah, we always had like, you know, it depends. I mean, sometimes, you know, being Asians, we could go get Peking duck. Um, but, right. you know, but my family always wanted to kind of like, you know, try to keep to honor American traditions and things like oh, that, celebrate Christmas okay. and stuff like that. So we would have turkey and things like that. And so okay. friends would cook. I was, hoping, like I was hoping that you were going with, the, you did have the Asian. The there have been years where we did, we decided let's just do like an all Asian thing. Like I think this Thursday, I might actually go get dim sum with my mom and stuff like that. Cause you know, that is open. Uh, and so we might do that because I, I don't have time to cook. I'm coming straight back. Here's from, the thing about Peking about Peking duck that I had in China. There's a lot of bones in it, home. Well, you gotta get, you gotta get, you gotta go to the place, okay? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you all oh, those. I went secrets. to the place in Beijing. Give you I all mean, the Asian secret, okay? If you pay up a little bit, it's gonna be expensive. But if you go to some of the Peking duck places that are like seventy-five dollars for the Peking duck, they give you a less fatty duck number one, so it's really good, and then they cut it up for you so that you don't get the ones with the bones or if they if there is one with the bone it's just on the bottom you just got to peel it off and then here's the, rest the thing of the meat. when i would see that the the chinese eat the eat the duck they would stuff the duck in their mouth and they would pull it all out <laughs> and then they would yeah. pull out these particularly no, I can't do that. clean totally yeah. clean bones yeah. they would just sit yeah. there and spend whole minutes just chewing meat off the bone and they would just spit the bone right onto the plate i saw this yeah, dozens yeah, no, of times when no. i was in china and I was like, this is insane to me. You know, we don't like to it, usually eat things in our eat things that have bones. I mean, what, America, the, what America needs to know is Brian. Brian does not exactly have the most adventurous <laughs> food palate. To begin having, with. Hey, you are right. But I did go to the to the authentic Chinese restaurants in China. And this is what I learned that the Chinese proverb, right? The Chinese proverb is because the best meat is near the bone. So they mm. say bone easy to find good meat, hard to find. Yeah, I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> I don't want that's the bones good. either. I bet you it sounds better in Chinese. I'm sure. I'm sure people <laughs> traveling to the Thanksgiving dinners had no idea they're going to be getting Chinese proverbs on the Friendsgiving pod. But here we go. Well, that's here we are, and here we go. You're here. All right, Omi. Have a safe trip to San Francisco. All right, guys. Good luck covering the. Good luck with all those newsers on the injury lists. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> to you and everybody else out there, man. Thanks. Good seeing you, Omi. Farewell, sweet Omi. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. 
Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Joining us now from a parking deck next to Crypto.com Arena. Uh, <laughs> In a hostage video situation in her car. Yep, yep. <laughs> in, in, is Ramona Shelburne. Um, yep. Momo, I'm not going to talk to you about the Lakers. I guess McMahon can ask about the Lakers if you want. I'm not talking about the Clippers. I'm not talking to you about your Ben Simmons story that you wrote earlier this week. There's something way more interesting. We had to wait for Friendsgiving. Yeah. Because, you know, typically we talk about the NBA, but. Right now, something amazing is happening. Um, your 30 for 30 podcast, The Sterling Affair, on the Donald Sterling situation, is being turned into an FX miniseries, which is by the same people that did the OJ miniseries, the OJ um, Simpson miniseries, yep. the same people that did the uh, Versace miniseries. Yep, yep. It's filming right now. You are an executive producer. It's going to come out next year, I think, right? What do you, you were, you were just on the set recently for a cameo. Please tell us about this experience (laughs) and what it's like to have your stuff being made and tell us who the actors are playing the people. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, when I covered this back in 2014, I always, I'm into the, you know, I like that reality TV. I like the rich people behaving badly. I like the, um, I was always into the, the basketball of it was interesting and how it affected the Clippers and the league, but the off the court stuff was just as interesting. And I would always say to everybody, this is a movie. This is like a mini series. And I live in LA. We make things like that here. And I know people who make things like that. And so I spent a couple of years kind of researching how to take an idea like this and turn it into a scripted series or a movie and met with some producers met with, I remember I had a lot of long conversations with Adam Newhouse, who's our director of development here at ESPN. A lot of long conversations with Libby Geist, who used to run 30 for 30 films, Connor Shell, who was also in charge of content. Right, this isn't an Oscar speech. Don't cut it. All yes, it is. Yeah, tell it us. Is. I got to tell us about it. I got to yeah. do it. Uh, it, it it's got to hit the air this, first. I got the, the, the whole thing was, how do we actually turn this from this idea of, hey, this should be a movie. This should be a scripted series into it, a scripted series. And I go, you know, it's like that People versus OJ thing. Like, you got to have event casting. Who should play Adam Silver? Who should play... Donald Sterling, who's, I mean, even you just get excited just thinking about who you would cast as people in these roles. And so every time I would bring it up, everybody goes, that's a great idea. And, and when we did the podcast, that was, it was a, a standalone podcast, but it was also with the idea that we would use it as, you know, used to be people wrote books and now they do podcasts to develop things. Like you just saw the Elizabeth Holmes thing go from podcast to, to scripted series. And so the, the last, you know, five or six years, this has always been the plan, but I never really thought it would actually happen until it actually happened, right? 
you know, it's a Hollywood thing. And, you know, you know, call me when you were really doing it. And I think last week when I went on set and, and we, me and Bill Plasky were the two reporters in a press conference scene. Um, and Bill Plasky's like, you know, the, one of the deans of LA reporters. Okay. If there was a press can conference, I, can he was I, can probably I in it. Can I say something? You, you, is, is it, le- am I allowed to say you showed me the, the, the page of dialogue that you were there? Yeah. Like, man, yeah. The scene described the press conference. It's a press conference at Staples Center. Um, and it described the reporters as being frumpy looking. <laughs> or, what, what, was, what was the word? Ramona? It totally did. Slubby, slubby, slubby. slubby. <laughs> so you, you, you couldn't get your fancy hairstylist to work on you that day. I, I did. I did. I said, <laughs> you know what, big man? I totally went and got my hair done. I picked out my best outfit. I even got my facial done because I was like, Look, I know what the scene calls were, but this is my big cameo, and I'm gonna have one line, and I'm take gonna take that look for good Frumpy. For it, damn it. <laughs> I got my roots done. <laughs> so, so the best part is, you know, Hollywood is about is you know seven hours on set waiting for your scene to film, and then you go there and we shoot it 35 times to say the same line over and over, and um. But but like Lawrence Fishburne is playing Doc Rivers, okay, which is great casting. He's so good in this role, and it's it's really fun. I can't show you any pictures of what he looks like when they when they dress him up and get him all looking like Doc, okay. But oh, Doc, but he looks yeah. like Doc. He really looks like Doc. He doesn't quite do the voice. He doesn't. He you know we talked about the Doc voice, mm-hmm. and he goes, "I'm gonna do a little of it, but if I do too much, it's gonna sound." Like I'm trying too hard, right? Yeah. So, plus, he's got to do every scene thirty times. He'll he'll never right. make it through the, the shooting. Yeah, it's been, exactly. Well, so. he'll have permanent Doc voice. Exactly, exactly. But he really nails Doc Rivers, like especially in the press conferences. Plasky and I were kind of like, you know, Doc's like a college football coach. He learns your name, and he he mm-hmm. he knows who the important reporters in the room are. He he he's like a MC, you know, master of ceremonies, and so like. We kind of, I don't want to say we coached him up, but we gave him some good notes, I think. And uh, and Lawrence just totally nailed it. Like, he just was like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you know, what, what, Bill, what do you got for me? And, and I was like, this is, it's like talking to Doc Rivers. It's unbelievable. It's like talking, it really, he, he really sounds like him. He, he's got him down. Um, not quite the rasp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real about that. But um, you, you sort of, I felt like I was in a real doctor's press conference. Back okay, so you're burying the lead. I know it's been announced in like data yeah. and variety and whatever, but our listeners probably don't know. So Lawrence Fishburne is playing Doc Rivers. Who yeah. is playing Donald Sterling? Ed O'Neill. Al Bundy himself. Yes. <laughs> and he's freaking great. Like, I went to the table read and you hear Ed O'Neill. And, he, you know, and, and I know the casting process and who the other actors who we looked at. Um, some of it's availability. Some of it's just like when they, when you get a feel for the character, do they feel like the character? Like, do they, what's their take on it? And Ed O'Neill is, he's, he's got it. He, well, he, like he a, knows like how to. Clippers playoff series. Sometimes availability of the stars is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, Ed is really like, he, he, he when, when they brought his name up to me, I was like, I had never thought of him. And then when they said his name, I was like, oh. That's great. Like it's per, it's like one of those out of left field calls. And I just said, it, he's, he's really got that, that, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? I don't want, can I say creepiness? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a mixture. It's like an, it's like a mixture of like creepy, 
um, Liberace. Like there's really a sort nails of, that rich yeah. sleeves factor. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. But he's also really, but Donald is really smart too. Like you have to get the, 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 I mean, he, he, he's a billionaire many times over. So like you have to nail that part of it too. And then the part that I, I can't say too much about because I, I would be giving away a lot of plot points, but the actress playing V. Stibiano is uh, unbelievable. Like the, that was the, one of the fiercest casting battles that I have seen because I know a lot of the names that they, they tried out, you know, and, and a lot of them are really good. And the woman they cast is a woman named Cleopatra Coleman. And you can go to her Instagram page and see exactly what she looks just like her. But she also has that feel. And that was one of the holes in my podcast that I didn't really, we didn't really talk to V. We tried. I tried many times. She didn't really want to participate. And so, you know, you just kind of have the friends of V and interviews she's done and things that, they're... but Cleo really brings V. Stiviano as a character to life in a way that I think is going to be different than the podcast, but also fantastic. Like people are but going to be also... buying V. Stiviano visors after this. There's, there's, there's <laughs> guys playing Blake Griffin. There's guys playing Chris yep. Paul. There's guys playing JJ Reddick. Yep. Matt Barnes is a consultant on this. Um, and uh, Matt came there and he goes, man, it was tripping him out when we did the dialogue scenes where the guy playing Chris Paul, J.L. Fonz Nicholson, amazing. Like he was on Zoom during the table read. And if you closed your eyes, you thought you were listening to Chris Paul. Like he, he's got the voice down. Um, uh, Sharunas J. Jackson, who if you watch Insecure, you probably know him. He's a really good actor. He's playing Matt Barnes. Great. Like really has it down. Um, some of them, you know, the guy playing JJ Reddick's pretty good. But I haven't seen the basketball scenes yet. They're, I think they're filming those later. For the, for the scenes, for the for the fans of uh, Billions, on oh, uh, yeah, tell them there's a dollar bill <laughs> to tell is yeah. is got a role in this. So one of my this is this is the part where I get to have fun. One of my favorite shows is Billions. You ever watch that show on on Showtime? Um, and the guy who plays Brian Koppelman, who is the showrunner for Billions, yep. Brian Koppelman is a huge NBA fan. Yep. So, um, you know, so Kelly Coin is the guy who plays Kelly Coin is the guy who plays Dollar Bill, and and he's a he's a huge NBA fan. He's a big Portland Trailblazers fan. I think he's actually going to try to come out here while, while while we're filming. He's been cast as Andy Roser, who is the former team president of the of the Clippers, and he has a pretty big role in this. Um, and Kelly's a big NBA fan and, and the, and he was just like totally geeked out to do an NBA story. Like he's, if you see him, he's on trailblazers Twitter all the time. I think he, I think uh, Howard Beck and him are friends. He's been on Howard's pod a few times. Um, I'll probably get him to do the hoop collective. If you want, when this comes out, Brian, he'll come on. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we like to keep yeah. it in ESPN. Ramona, hey, 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 guess for other pods now. Yeah, no, he's, he's, <laughs> Well, you're a Billions fan, right? I mean, like for me, we of did a Zoom course. call where he was asking me all about all about um, the character and the, and the story and stuff. And I'm doing this Zoom call and I'm like, hey, can you tell me what's going to happen with Dollar Bill next season? Like, what's what's going on in Billions? Is he running? <laughs> is, is he running? For, is Mike Prince running for president? Like, what's the, I mean, it's such a it's such a like I'm super geeked to talk to a guy on Billions and he's really excited to ask me about the Trailblazers offseason. <laughs> 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 Hey, how does, how does how does Gary Payton II fit in? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what yeah. about uh, the investigation? Uh, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. 
Yeah. I just think it's so awesome, Ramona, that, um, you know, first off, the po- the podcast took years to come out, right? Yeah. You, you, oh, yeah. And took like, about a year and a half to do it. And Shelly Sterling is a major character in the, yeah, in the show, in, too. Yeah, in and this is, she's, she's being played by Jackie Weaver, um, who... I, I just like it trips me out. I was she she's kind of like a doesn't break character. So when we did the table, oh, read, she's a, she was still she's in character. Yeah, I don't. I didn't ask her if you're method or not, but I know she stayed in character the whole table read. And I was like, man, it's like she's got that voice down. She looks like her. She sounds like her. Jackie Weaver, you probably know from um, the Silver Linings Playbook. She was in that one, the movie with Mark. I was Wahlberg. all about Silver Linings Playbook when it came yeah. out. It's right. She's, my, she's right a, in my a wonderful Australian actress who is going to blow you away. I, I didn't know she was Australian. Yeah. Yep. She's Australian. She's Cleo's also, Australian. Yeah. She was also in uh, Yellowstone for quite a few episodes. Yellowstone. Yep. So you yeah. know her. Like if you saw her, you know her. And and like she's just a she's just been a great cast for us. Um, so I, like, it's, it's fun for me. Cause I, you know, it's, it's amazing when something that you have this idea, like eight years ago actually happens. Right. And it was the exact, like, it's like people versus OJ. And then the producer of people versus OJ actually wanted to make this. And I was like, you know, it's like <laughs> that you were, exa- cool. you were exactly who I wanted it to go to and it, it's coming together. So now they got to just, uh, film it, get, put it through post-production. Those are big jobs. Um, yeah, but it's I wish filming I could tell like you right more. Now. Yeah, it's, it's filming, filming right, right now. now. Yeah, yeah, out here now. Well, awesome. Do you have your we're own chair yeah. you get to sit in, like on the no. set? Is there like, no. come on now? That, so that's that, the how was that not was, part of the deal? The coolest thing I got was at the table read, they had a parking space uh, with my name on it. That's about the coolest thing. And when I did my one line cameo, I was in the trailer with the woman playing B. Stiviano. So like the, the sign says Ramona Shelburne and then below it, it says B. Stiviano. I was like, all right, I'll take that. That's pretty cool. But I don't, <laughs> have, a, playing yourself. I don't have a director's chair. <laughs> yeah, I was playing my chair. So I yeah. don't have a director's chair like Lawrence Fishburne. And, and I did learn that you don't call him Larry. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I just want on the, on the episode that you're in, <laughs> You know, it's like a whole hierarchy, you know, when they have the actors or the credits come. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and it's like, it's like one layer to be called with, you know. Oh, I think my part, no, no, my part, Brian, is um, reporter number two. Yeah. Well, I want to see, I want (laughs) you to be the and, you know, the last person (laughs) in is always the and. And, and Ramona Shelburne. So see if you can yeah. get negotiating on it. You know, okay. Lawrence Fishburne, Ed Harris, and Jackie Weaver with Bill it. Plaschke and Ramona Shelburne. That's what I'd like awesome. to see. So let's see if you awesome. can get that locked up. All right. Um, you guys got right. you guys got McBenman there. I gotta go do radio. All Thanks right. for indulging Thanks, my Mona. Hollywood, my Hollywood turn. Oh, that's awesome. I won Congrats, line. Ramona. <laughs> Thanks. I'll let you know when it comes out and 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 uh We'll probably have to, we'll probably have to do a bunch more of these podcasts of promoting course. it again. If you'll of humor course. me, naturally. All right, naturally. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Now we're gonna ignore it happening sure, the whole time. <laughs> Not gonna talk about it at all. <laughs> all right, joining us, joining us now from Phoenix, where he's going to the, he's be covering the Suns Lakers game tonight, is Dave McMenamin. Hello, Dave. Hello, gentlemen. You're Mr. Hollywood. You go to premieres and stuff. Oh, oh yeah. God. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay, where are we going with this one? 
<laughs> Hold on. I've got to look up the standing so I know how to appropriately uh, address him. He is currently <laughs> Mac. It's taking a lot of low. Wait, I got to scroll down. Mac 14. <laughs> <laughs> Mac you know 14 seed. You got to do the seed. Mac 14. Say, Mac 14 is like pretty fast. So if somebody heard that wrong, you might think it's so is a lake. So thing. is the Lakers plummet to the bottom of the standings. <laughs> oh, you know, there it is. You know, they're rising up the standings right now. You know what I thought was interesting? I went back and listened to last year's Friendsgiving pod just to try to remember how we did this. And on there, so it was, you know, the same time last year. He was I didn't remember that the Lakers were already scuffling. He was already calling you Mc10 seed. At Thanksgiving last year. Uh, yeah, and it started out as a joke and it ended up being way too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're wearing a Phillies hat, Dave. Uh, so Dave has this. So Dave is a he is definitely a man of the world. He's definitely a uh, of the Jeff set. He has this ability. He's lived on the West Coast for most of the last, what, 15 years, Dave? Like you had your four year running. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Eleven out of. 15 but your your home you're from philly and you're a big fan of philly you're also a fan of syracuse where you went to school mm-hmm. and you over the years have been able to like pull out these parachuting maneuvers to go to sporting events during the nba season <laughs> he will like fly red eyes three thousand miles barely squeeze in, get the game, and then like immediately fly out afterwards and like you only miss like a practice or not even a practice. Like you'll, you'll leave a middle of a road trip and you'll reappear and you'll have traveled 6,000 miles to see a game. And you just made it out to the World Series for the for the Phillies. How did, first off, where were you? How did you get there? And tell us what that experience was like. And who won? Well, the game I went to, since it's a series, uh, the game <laughs> I went to was a win. Thank you very much, Mr. McMahon. Uh, so I flew out on a Tuesday on a 6.30 a.m. flight. Had to go away from my preferred airline to get the direct to Philly. And got there at like 2.30 p.m., no incident. Brother picked me up at the airport, drove me out to the Burbs to see his new uh, house that him and, and his wife live in. And, and I'd been there once before, but see some of the improvements. Basically, you know, geared up, put on our Phillies jerseys. Geared up. Phillies hats. Well, geared that, that up. So whose jersey so did brother... you wear? This is important. Whose jersey did you wear? Just like a stock or Phillies jersey? A, is there a number on this? Or a number 13 uh, in honor of my uh, my other brother who passed away. That was just his favorite number. Um, I was so, going to say Von Hayes or something like that. Yeah, no no name. It was, uh, you know, it was one of my brothers uh, in honor of him. But so... My brother, Jeffrey, had waiting for me in the guest room a new Phillies hat. I'm wearing a Phillies hat I already owned. A new Phillies hat, a Phillies World Series t-shirt, a uh, two packs of Tasty Cake uh, butter, Butterscotch Crimpets, and <laughs> two packs of Tasty per- Cake uh, peanut, peanut Butter Cups. At, uh, purchased at Awawa? At Awawa. Surely purchased at Awawa. <laughs> Uh, so down some of them geared up, drove back out to the, to the city. Um, met my dad for cheese steak. Uh, man, this is the whole this is Philly a full, experience. This is a full experience. 
reported back to LA, twelve pounds heavier. I mean, you did you did have him on and say, "Tell us how, tell us how your day went." So he's telling you how his day went. He beat somebody up walking through the parking lot. Got in the background of the live. Threw a couple batteries. (laughs) What's what's that stuff that those people inhale? Like for the wing bowl, they like they 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 keep it in balloons and they like inhale that drug. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, they do it in Philly. They 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 whip it like in balloons. Whippets. Did you do some whippets? <laughs> I didn't know that's associated what a, with a what a what a what a hard turn that took. I think Wendy's yeah. been smoking out of some of those corn cob pipes <laughs> in Omaha. Where are you going? <laughs> you guys don't know about the wing bowl. The wing bowl that they it's a wing eating contest in Philly. People get the Friday before the up. Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, come on. Before the Super Bowl, because the Eagles are rarely in the Super Bowl. That, that was the idea. It was started in the probably in the late '80s because the Eagles didn't make Super Bowl for years and years and years. So Philadelphia's version of the bowl was a wing bowl, and everybody goes to the. I think they used to have it at Wells Fargo, and they had it at Wells Fargo. Look, I, I don't want to grab the wheel here at six but- in the morning. <laughs> They had at Wells Fargo. It was at six in the morning. And one time I covered a game there and there was the wing bowls in the morning at the center, right? Bontemps, the center. That's, and that's the, right. At the and center. The, and the game was there that night. And in the hallways of the arena, in the visitor's locker room hallway, there was still vomit on the wall. Okay. What do you want me to say? There was vomit on the wall from the competitors who were using the same locker room. All right, Dave, you go to the, you go to the Phillies game. Yes, so we go game three. They win seven nothing. Most home runs uh, off a starting pitcher uh, in World Series history. Five home runs. It's a big party. Uh, anyone else hear that? Uh, Bontemps muted. Which is this is the best way to pod with Bontemps muted. Uh, and a couple things stood out. Obviously. It was awesome of my brother to to hook it up. It was a birthday present to me. It was also kind of a payback because I got us tickets to go to the Super Bowl in Minneapolis when yeah, the, thing. the Eagles I, I beat the to, Patriots. You also slipped out to get to the Eagles Super Bowl. And yeah. I know that you've like taken red eyes to get to Syracuse basketball games in the last yeah, five years. Been been a couple of Final Fours. And it, yeah, listen, this one. It's part of the fun of this thing is that we have to travel all over the country to do our job. And that does accrue you some points. It also accrues you some confidence that you can pull these things off. Like <laughs> some people are intimidated by such a plan, but it, it, it it's doable. Um, hey, some people are intimidated. Mac 14 seed. He's got those cojones, <laughs> baby. He's going to fly LA to Philly and be right back with the world series win in his pocket. 5 30 AM flight. The back, back the next day made it to shoot around. Pulling that off, pulling that off at your ripe old age is impressive because man, I can't be there in those early morning flights. Listen, I can call you old because I'm older, so it's not offensive. That's true. You got a lot of white there, my friend. A lot of white in that beard. A lot of wisdom, baby. A lot of wisdom. (laughs) I don't know if it translates to that. I don't know what's gonna happen. Quick quick tag on this though. My favorite line of it, my brother, that we were walking out. First of all, there's a guy, street vendor, selling turtles on the street. Pet turtles on the street in Philly after the win. You know, you expect to buy a soft pretzel, a t-shirt, 
a bottle of water or whatever. The guy's selling turtles. Narcotics. Such a silly thing. That would be frogs would be the narcotic pride. Come on, if you want to go to Topanga Canyon on us. But uh, my brother goes to me. He's like, man, I love the Super Bowl. It was so fun. But I got to say, I think I enjoyed this more because we spent the night around all the true Philly scumbags. So I was like, exactly. That's, that's a, no better way to put it. Uh, the three times I was closest to death, once landing in a snowstorm in Roanoke, Virginia, in a propeller plane in December, almost didn't make it. Two, minus 15 degrees, leaving a Browns game, walking out to my car at 11 p.m., which is parked out on the lake, almost didn't make it. Three, <laughs> when, the, when the spectrum was still there, I covered a game in Philly, came out, and there was also a Motley Crue concert that had gone on at the spectrum across the parking lot. And it was a Saturday night, and they were and it was letting out as I was going back. Those are the three closest times I've been. <laughs> Those Motley Crue Philly folks, boys, look out. That's a hell of a combo. <laughs> at the end of the show. At the end of the show. Okay. There's amazing they're, they're... odds. I just I can't believe you defy the odds that none of those three instances involve Jason Lloyd. I figured Jason Lloyd would have to well, be involved in one of your situations. I just know that Jason Lloyd, who works in Cleveland, uh, one time he drove to Detroit, and I said, oh, that's about a three-hour drive. And he's like, I'll make it in an hour. Um, and he wasn't lying. Um, so the Lakers, I don't know what's going to happen in this game in Phoenix tonight. They – they're playing a very easy portion of their schedule. I see you've got a nice little, a nice little week in San Antonio coming up here, Dave. Uh, uh, oh boy! Uh, the, the Lakers get to play San Antonio three times in four games when they're banged up. If there's ever a get well time for the Lakers, it's right now, and they're kind of getting well. Um, AD is playing spectacularly. Of course, we don't know what's happening in this Phoenix game. Um, is this is this uh, Westbrook has settled into a decent production off the bench? Oh, sixth man uh, of the year candidate. Come on, man. Jump on that hype train. (laughs) Is this going to be the Lakers um, the way it's going to be for the Lakers, yay or nay? Is this this what they're going to be now? Uh, Anthony Davis won't keep up 35 and 17 a night, I I doubt. But if you're playing through him, keeping him engaged on both ends, not shooting like the worst team in NBA history and, and actually through your defensive thrust being able to get two-on-one, three-on-two opportunities where the ball moves and all of a sudden you find a shooter in rhythm and, and you're shooting 35% versus 22%. Uh, and you have enough young talent that is bringing that requisite attention and excitement every night. Guys like Austin Reeves and Troy Brown Jr. and Lonnie Walker the fourth, Like, yeah, they could be a 500 team the rest of the way. The problem is that they've dug this hole for themselves and being a 500 team the rest of the way doesn't really guarantee anything. It, you know, what, what they're going to have to hope to have happen is LeBron James returns from this absence from the groin injury and he can look like LeBron that affects winning because he really didn't look like that version of himself all that often so far this season. And, and then you play 600 basketball the rest of the way and then you can talk mm. about I don't see 600 basketball from this squad. (laughs) I don't see it. What are the the Lakers? What do the Lakers think is realistic, Dave, at this point going forward? Like, is that the, is that the, is that like like their realistic is, is playing 500 ball until December 15th 
when deals start to potentially open around the league, because that's when contracts that were signed this past summer can be traded. And then maybe you can finally make this mythical draft pick trade that's been talked about for months and months and months sometime in late December to mid January and have that be an additional thrust to the type of basketball you've already been, been doing. You've already established. Uh, and listen, they have played pretty good defense. The majority of the season, they let go of the rope uh, for that stretch where they were the worst defensive team in the league for four or five games. But, you know, and again, when you're talking about a sample size of like 15 games, like that matters, of course. But the the rest, the other 10 games, like they look like a good defensive team. And that's going to have to be what their identity is. And if they can add some talent to the mix, to, to a team that if the team believes in themselves, they'll they'll have a chance to be a play-in tournament or, you know, play-in tournament team or like the eighth or seventh seed. That That's, Whoa, that's what we're talking about, calm folks. Calm down, fellas. Calm down. I mean, um, I, I would like think... to point out. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick. What... The, you say, what do the Lakers think is realistic? Like there's some kind of consensus here. Uh, <laughs> I think what LeBron thinks is realistic and what Rob Polinka thinks is realistic might be two very different answers. That's all. Also, I'd like to point out that uh, for those watching on YouTube, I think the police are in pursuit of Bond Timps. There's like sirens <laughs> flashing in his face. As I've had to continue moving around the arena there, they were now doing scoreboard testing, so... This is well, this is McMahon is very sensitive to the authorities. Yes, oh, wow. it's like it's it's a look he's seen many times before. Speaking <laughs> of a man sensitive to authorities, Nick Fredell's ugly mug just filled the screen. <laughs> I love you too, McMahon. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave, how many, how many orange much. men can we handle at one time? My goodness, yeah, they're never Happy enough. Thanks. Wait, can I get can I get the uh, a, a one question for you guys? What's your yes. favorite thanks Thanksgiving dish of any food item? What's your number one? Oh. You only get to choose one. Stuffing. S T U F F I N stuffing. Can't imagine McMahon would say why McMahon would say that. Just tell people to stuff it all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised you spelled it right. <laughs> also true. Hey, a double a double F for you, McMiniman. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fellas. Enjoy it. There's Nick. Am I the only one who likes Thanksgiving dinner? Nobody else wants to answer. I'm waiting on the answer. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I was living in Miami, the Miami Heats, they have like of course this is a seven-minute story and not just an answer. I like I like a dish. They serve they serve five dishes. For the pregame meal, I was there like thirty games a year for four years, and one of the dishes was Thanksgiving dinner. They, the people there in Miami, love I've Thanksgiving. Had it down there, yeah. You can't, you, you can't avoid it. Quite frankly, uh, a man who handles who would handle the food, Jose, is a wonderful man. Um, but I had Thanksgiving dinner like 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 forty five times in those four years, and I just, I've had enough. I know that's so what are you gonna do what, on Thursday? What, I mean, what is the Thanksgiving equivalent of a Grinch? Jeez, Wendy. <laughs> it's, I'm staying on brand. The, first of all, the the, the, the man <laughs> shuts it down on Halloween. On Thursday, he shuts, just the, he it. shuts it down on Halloween, like eggs the kids who try to freaking not uh, anymore uh, just uh, trick or treat. And then he just barfs all over the Halloween or the Thanksgiving dinner table. Bon tips. What come on. 
answer the man's I, question. I was always yeah, a cranberry please. sauce kid as a kid. I always I always like cranberry sauce on turkey. Can? Out of the can. Like with the ridges still on it? Of yeah, course. Jello like. <laughs> I like that. Only way, only way to have it. <laughs> only way I to like have that. it. Plus, you only have it on like Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas. So that's what, no, that's that's why I like the turkey. When else are you going to have like a roasted turkey with every turkey? other week in Miami? Uh, uh, Miami. Okay, <laughs> Fredell looks like a mashed potatoes guy. <laughs> Fredell likes. Oh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that with the little whipped cream. Come on now. Pumpkin pie is good. <laughs> Pumpkin pie is good. All right, we're going right. back on board. All right, guys. What? All right, Dave. Wait, wait, Friedel. What's your favorite other than diet, other than Cherry Coke Zero? What's your favorite thing to have on on Thanksgiving? He just said pumpkin pie. Pumpkin oh, pie. I missed it. <laughs> we just had a whole pumpkin this. pie discussion. All right, I'm sorry. I whipped cream on top. The whip it. I'm, the yeah, whip. he's. I'm talking about whipped cream on top. He's trying to get some of those <laughs> balloons. What are you doing over there, man? Oh man. <laughs> uh, joining us from the center. Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, down the hall or something from Bontemps, is Nick Friedel. Nick, I'm sure you've been so excited to have this Ben Simmons game on your uh, on your plate for weeks because you've had just such an enjoyable season so far. Very calm, very relaxed atmosphere. Everybody's in a great mood. This you know who's in a great you know who's in a great mood today? Ben Simmons because the I, old team he's playing as everybody heard on it. He's thrilled. Be I have been around and covering Simmons every day since he has appeared on the scene in Brooklyn. Absolutely, 100%. This is as relaxed as he's ever been before a game. Take that for whatever you want, and let's see what happens here in the game itself. But he was, he was making jokes with, like, the Philly media. <laughs> Somebody showed me his Instagram story. He's got a picture with Howard Eskin. <laughs> like, so, Howard Eskin is a local uh, Philadelphia media member who is aggressive on an average day and has been very aggressive with Ben Simmons for the last couple of years. Well, so, I'm looking forward since Kyrie is all worried about you and Instagram. I, at some point this year, I think you and Kyrie will definitely be hugged up for an IG. The, the buddy cop movie is going to be back on. It's going to be great. It's not looking is, great is right Ramona going but... to produce that too? <laughs> <laughs> Who would it's be who would be the actor would get for Fredell? Oh wait, Fredell's gonna be in it, duh. That question. Um, we get Clooney. We need though. A, someone. <laughs> we need like uh, like well, someone who's Clooney's got gonna have, to have a lot of Thanksgiving dinners. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I teed you up way too high for that one. I was like, here you go. Just take it. All right, great. Yep. Uh. Well, who's that guy who plays Father Time? That should uh, in the LeBron commercials, Jason. Uh, Stephen Adams. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. He should play Friedel. <laughs> Rugged masculinity. Um, is, Segway is, from that. Uh, is, um, is, is at least a little bit better this week covering the Nets now that this stuff is over? Well, it's never really over. I know this latest skirmish is over. <laughs> it is under the next chapter. Right. It is right now. <laughs> As we record this, everything's okay Knock right on now. Wood. Until but, it's not. Uh, I, I had to laugh because I came in and you guys are having the Thanksgiving conversation. The Nets will be in Toronto 
at the start of Thanksgiving and then heading to Indianapolis. And I will be taking a flight from Toronto to Indianapolis at 6.30 Thanksgiving night. So I will have an all-day affair in Toronto, which will be something because it's just another Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday, yeah. But as far as far as this team goes, they they needed that week so badly from Ben Simmons, so so badly. He needed it for himself. They needed it for the organization. And truly, Timmy B and I have been around here all day. He could have approached this in deflecting everything and saying, "Ah, you know, it's not that big of a deal." He must have said, "I'm excited," seven different times in the press conference after shoot-around. This team needs this version of Ben Simmons on and off the floor for sure. Well, and he has a sense of humor about it, which you have to, because if you go in there taking it super serious, I mean, come on. it's He knows what's coming. So have a sense of humor about it. You know, laugh your way through it, get it over with. And look, he obviously played really well against the Grizzlies' leftovers, right? The Grizzlies were missing their three best players in that game. But it, he just needs to play well against anybody. I don't care if it's the Washington Generals. It's like Clay Thompson lighting the Rockets up. I don't care that it's the Rockets. These are guys who yeah. they needed to feel like their old selves on the floor uh, just to give them a little, you know, a little boost of confidence. No question. And look, you go back a week ago. Nick was in Sacramento a week ago right now. Ben Simmons is coming off a disastrous trip to L.A. He didn't play in one game. He played terribly in the other game. They hadn't scored double figures in a game yet this season. Things look terrible, and he plays well in Sacramento. He then gets hacked in the fight in the fourth quarter against Portland. Goes three four from the line. Has his best game of the season Sunday, as you said, against the Memphis leftovers. And now he's playing a Philly team where there's no Joel, there's no Tyrese Maxey, there's no James Harden. Like there's no reason for him not to be confident. They should come in and win this game. Like. You know, this, this this came at the absolute perfect time. You realize for him that in the Nets. Uh, when this podcast comes out, the game will have been played. You have no idea what's going to happen. I hope you don't sure. sound foolish. Well, I'm going to come. I'm going to be on. Well, also he's going to sound foolish. Pod, you so. just hope he doesn't sound foolish because of whatever happens that we don't know about. Hey, Sounding I foolish is fine. So I mean, listen, I it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a team lose when they when the other team doesn't have any players, but. This, there's a reason why if if Ben Simmons was still scoring two points a game and Philly was fully healthy coming in here, I don't think he'd be saying like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm excited to be here and taking pictures of Howard Eskin and things would be good. He's had his three best games in two years, so he's feeling good right now. That's all. So, Nick, um, what was your life like for the two to four days after um the Kyrie thing. I don't know what to say it. The whole thing with you and Kyrie. The ordeal. On this team. Yeah. It was, it the certainly, troubles. it stretched more than two to four days. Uh, some of the things that I, the messages I got on Instagram were disgusting. Uh, social media. It's just gross. And I mean, that's the world that we live in sadly now, but I would, I would always come back to, the thing that stunned me the most were how many people within the industry reached out and just said, Hey, you know, good job doing your job. And then there was a whole nother group of people who don't follow basketball at all. Don't care about sports, but it had, it had crossed that threshold. 
Mm-hmm. And I heard from a lot of Jewish people across the country. I heard a lot from just people that were really frustrated with the way Kyrie responded in several different public interactions in those press conferences. So uh, that was nice, uh, but it, it was and continues to be really strange. Even I think we're like three weeks later now. Every day has been really strange, whether uh, it's looking down at my phone and seeing stuff or, or whether somebody is saying something at one of these random arenas that I've been in, uh, good and bad. Uh, it's just been a, a really strange – it's the strangest sequence I can remember so far in my career, for sure. That whole thing, because it's it, not, it became can, much more than just a basketball story. And your, your situation, yeah, your situation is extreme, but I think all of us here, I know me, McMahon is not afraid of confrontation. So McMahon has been in lots of confrontations in his career. I'm not even making a joke. McMahon does not back down. And it's one of the, one of the things that defines him in, in his, uh, in the way he covers the team. Bontemps is never afraid to ask the hard question. Um, like, go back and look at press conferences with Adam Silver. Guess who asks the hardest question? It's about Bontemps. Never asked the hardest question. I've been in situations with players where, like, every time I walk in the locker room for days on end, it, like, feels like I can feel the intensity of how much a certain player is angry at me or a team is angry at me. It's not a fun existence. Like, the concept that, that somebody would do it for clout has never lived that existence before. Uh, yeah, and the, and the whole thing of, like, you were looking for Instagram fame. Nick Fidel has the worst Instagram feed of all time. There's, like, the occasional <laughs> cheeseburger every, you know, 14 months, and that's about it. Like, <laughs> give me a break. Kyrie's the one who was who, who threw you out there in the buddy cop thing. I mean, you weren't the one. That's, uh, that's that. what it was. That's exactly and And, right. and, and I'll, I'll just say this, like, when people get frustrated, you keep asking the same questions or similar questions. Well, give a straight answer to simple questions and you won't keep hearing the same question. But when you dance around the questions and you won't give the answers to very simple, direct questions that absolutely need to be asked, you know, that's what happens. I kind of got the impression, Nick, that nobody in the net, I don't know if this is true. But I, I, it felt like you were the only person in Brooklyn who was asking him the questions for a while there. I, I think uh, since I got there in January, it was just a mantle that I kind of have, have worn. And it's not that other people on the beat haven't asked uh, certain questions because that's happened at various points. But this all ties in for me going back a year because Kyrie and I, anybody who just saw that exchange of two minutes went, Oh man, they got into it. Kyrie and I got into it eight or nine times last year. And it was usually about the vaccination stuff. So that's why in that moment, in that clip that so many people saw in the moment, it didn't feel any different than that. It was like, all right, well, here we go again. And then I walked out of the room and that's when I realized very quickly that this story and people's response to it and Kyrie's response or lack thereof uh, initially in those first few days really hit a nerve for a lot of people. And to me, that's the part that he 
didn't understand it seemed publicly until recently because he hurt a lot of people with those posts and he hurt even more people with the way he responded to those posts. And that's the part right there in the moment that he never had a full grasp of. Nick, I think you should also talk to people a little bit who may have not have heard it yet about some of the other interactions you've had with Kyrie, including right before all that happened, just to kind of show the, you know, this isn't like you just go into press conferences and yell at him and that's like, or not yell at him, but ask questions like that and get into back and forth. So then that's the only time you guys talk at all. And that part is really important for the context here, Timmy B, because Kyrie and I, after he, he made that whole thing about, ah, we're going to hug at the end of the season on media day, we had two or three really good conversations just talking about life. And that's why when all this stuff played out, it was important for me when I got asked these questions about Kyrie to always point out this guy having talked to him and had those human interactions that didn't exist for reporters like us uh, in, in the NBA these last couple of years because of COVID and the restrictions around the locker room. He really cares about the fact that so many people look up to him, not just in the league, and there are a ton of guys, younger guys who look up to Kyrie, but younger kids. And, and it was specific uh, he, how much he appreciated that white, black. It didn't matter the race. It didn't matter the religion, the ethnicity. Kyrie appreciated that. But that's juxtaposed against the posts and what people saw and what he didn't say in those first few days. But there's no question. I mean, we were talking about. Uh, how I grew up in Orlando and I saw the Shaq and Penny magic. And he was telling me how he grew up in New Jersey and he really was a Nets fan uh, when, when he was little and we connected over the love of the game. And that all happened in those first few weeks going into pre the preseason and uh, the start of the regular season. And that it just imploded when we had that exchange. And then obviously it hadn't been the same since. Well, this is supposed to be a happy pod. I was going to say, here's what happened. You yeah. invite Fredell in and the room just gets sucked. No, it does That's what Fredell's known to do. That's what Fredell is known to do. Yeah, the guy the guy who's known as the laugh track. That's that's definitely his thing is to suck the joy out of the room. That's that's what he does all the time. <laughs> Nothing made Timmy be happier than when my cherry Coke that I didn't want exploded let, let, all over let's the just, table. Let's just tell a quick story. So earlier oh, today, goodness. we're sitting here doing TV. And we're sitting at the arena all day and, and Nick goes out to get a water and he comes back in with a cherry Coke zero. He sits down on the table. He goes, I tried to get a water. Give me a cherry Coke zero. Turned out he ordered off the wrong, uh, the wrong column off of the, the vending machine outside. It was mislabeled. Okay. Fredell could not <laughs> figure out a vending machine. Okay. No, Fredell he could saw not it. figure out a vending machine. He Fredell. saw it. It's mislabeled. Do we, can we, this I is Bontemp story time. This is Bontemp story time. Well, I, later, I later bought him a water, so he had it. You're correctly oh, using wow. the vending machine. <laughs> I, that's then, what I get for giving Bontemp story time. It's just, look what a nice guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> such a nice guy. See, I, I, we needed to get the laugh in here. <laughs> so then I'm on, the phone with, I'm on the phone with Brian. We're figuring out when we're going to record the pod today. And then all of a sudden across the room from me, the laugh track opens up this cherry Coke zero and just explodes like old faithful shooting into the sky. He's stopping around. Couldn't find any paper towels. It's been that kind of a day here, here at Wells Fargo <laughs> center. 
which is why I then had to move around the arena 75 times to, to find a final place to finish the pod. This is, this is what it's been. All right. Well, who knows what's going to happen tonight, guys? Um, you know, the front hey, of the pod. Who's on, who's on the list? The listeners do who's because by the time. Tonight? <laughs> oh, God. Well, if Ben Simmons goes out to shoot free throws after the game, I promise you that everyone will be paying attention to see what Montrez happens Her- there. Montrez Harrell is actually going to uh, play in tonight's game, so I guess he won't be on. Uh, he won't be on post game free throw watch. He won't. <laughs> that whole, he'll, he'll try to actually play defense during the game instead of afterwards. That whole scene here on Friday is one of the weirder things I've seen at an NBA game. The ladder gate that was that was something all the way around. Oh my gosh. Um... <laughs> the NBA. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Nick. Thank you for stopping by, making time for us. <clears throat> Thanks, everybody, listening to our Friendsgiving pod. We hope you have safe and quasi enjoyable uh, travels. And quasi enjoyable. Well, they're listening to this podcast on their travels. That's the concept. Quasi well, it's just enjoyable. enjoyable. Yeah, but why not just enjoyable? What's the quasi part? The quasi is I'm taking a 6.30 p.m. flight from Toronto to Indianapolis. Listen, you night. get to spend all day in Toronto. There's worse <laughs> things than that. That's true. But go that's have, the quasi. <laughs> I got you a great lunch spot, bud. You can go have lunch. You'll be happy. Cherry oh, I miss Cherry you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to see Timmy B for like nine more hours tonight. Oh, I love there it. There you go. Get to her after. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Enjoy your turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie. Take care. Thanks to our producers, uh, Bruce and Jackson, who have put up with a crazy uh, taping schedule today. I will uh, we'll all be back with you next week. Adios, amigos. Adios.